Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I want to speak today to you guys about suffering. My message is called, Why Doesn't God Fix It? Why doesn't God fix it? I just heard all these, mmm, mmm. You know why? Because you thought about it. Why doesn't God fix it? Everyone's got an it. I don't know what your it is, but why doesn't God fix it? People are struggling everywhere. Is it us? Maybe it's the devil. Where does it all come from? Why doesn't God just fix it? I love it. Thank, thank you guys for giving me all of the easy messages to write. I tell you what, when I thought about this message, uh, for me, just like it is for you, it's very personal. And I don't know what your it is. I don't know what suffering you've gone through. But I'll just tell you something about me. So when I was younger, many of you would already know this story. When I was younger, I got an illness, a very rare illness that affected my central nervous system and it affected my ability to walk, actually use my entire body. And so I was a Christian at the time. I was raised in church. I had a relationship with God. I knew the scriptures. In fact, sometimes I would even correct the, the, you know, the kids' you know, teachers when they would tell us what something happened. I knew my scriptures. I said, no, that's not actually how it happened. I just openly correct the teacher. People, they love it when you do that. And so I knew God. And then I got sick. And I was about 11, 12 years old at the time. And I had to do, go and do physiotherapy for years to learn how to walk again. I had to wear calipers on my feet because I wasn't able to walk. And I used to be a great runner. And so I went from um, the life that I had and going through all of this suffering, and I had to face a question, which was not, does God exist? Because to be honest with you, I always thought that God existed. I had a relationship with God. No, I, I had a far more challenging question. And my challenging question was, I've always been told that God is good and he's loving. And I've asked for him to heal me, and I believe he's got the power to do it. So what I had to contend with is, if God has the ability to heal me, why hasn't he done it? And the lack of response to that question, that question inside my heart, was enough to put me on a track that took me so far from God for so many years. From age 12, probably through to around age 21, that whole time I spent away from God just because... I was offended with God. I was upset with him. Do you know what I really was? I'll tell you the truth. I was disappointed in him. Have you ever been disappointed in God? Just raise your hand if you've been disappointed in God. See, I know there's people in here not being honest right now. This is church. You're meant to be honest. You know, it's it's okay to actually admit to the fact that you've been disappointed in God. I was disappointed in God. Please don't be so holy this morning. Don't be so holy. You know, disappointment comes from expectation. That's where it comes from. I expected God to do something and he didn't do it. And because of that, I was disappointed in him. When I read most of the questions, they all had this thing in common. Why doesn't God just do something? And each question was different. How come God doesn't cure this or fix that? Or how, why, why, why? 
couple years ago, um, a friend of mine in this church, Brian Coombs, got cancer. And I watched him and journeyed with him through this process. And I saw him continually move backwards all the time, professing his faith, saying, God could heal me. And he believed it to the end. And I believed it too. And I stood with him. But then something happened and he died. And it was sad and it was devastating. And you know what I really want? I want closure on the situation. You know, don't you just want to know why? I just want to know why. I mean, if I understood why these things happen, then maybe I could attach some higher purpose to it. And if I can attach a higher purpose to it, then I'm going to be more comfortable with the outcome. And if I knew the end at the beginning, then I'd be comfortable with the process. And maybe if I knew all of this, I could find myself in a position where I could just trust God. I want to trust him. I just want to know that what's happening is not an accident. It's not a mistake. Surely there needs to be some purpose in here. Come on. Every single person in this room this morning has gone through the exact same thing when you faced a season of suffering and you thought, why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? It's just a question that we ask. You know, the other day my daughter came in to see me she was very upset, Eliana. She's three years old. She came in to see me and she had tears in her eyes. And she said to me, Mommy got me in trouble. <laughs> I said, Really? She said, Yes. I said, Oh, that's terrible. I said, Well, what did you do? She said, Nothing. I said, Really? She's like, nothing. You did nothing. I didn't do anything. You're telling me that your mom, who I know, who loves you very much, has always watched over you and protected you. But on this particular morning, she snapped. And now she just got you in trouble for no reason. She's like, yes, I didn't do anything. And then I just got in trouble. And I like... Mm. I don't know about this because that doesn't sound like your mother. And the reason I know that is because I know her. And the fact is, I didn't need to know all the details of the story to understand what was really going on there. I just had to know who was involved in the story. And since I know my wife's character, I know who Sarah is, I knew that my daughter wasn't telling me the truth. And I feel like sometimes with God, we don't really need to know all of the details, but if we know who he is, if we know his character, then we could know in every situation and circumstance, whatever suffering we're going through, that God is good. If he is good, I don't have all the details yet. I don't understand everything yet, but I know he's in it and it's going to be okay. That's how I feel. So here's the thing. Disappointment comes from expectation. Expectation is built... On character. Because when you know who someone is, you predict how they're going to respond. 
And character is formed on values. That's why people are different, by the way, all over the world. We just have different values. Something's important to you, it's not important to me. It's important to me, it's not important to you. We're, just, we're different. The things that we value make up our character. And this is, the, what I, when it, this is the thing I started to realize about our relationship with God in trying to predict his character. You know what people do so often? Is we take our values and we project them onto God and we think that our values are his values and when he doesn't live up to what we think he should value, that's when we get upset with him. That's how we get let down in our expectations. And this is precisely where I went wrong. Do you know what I thought God's greatest value was? I thought his greatest value was my happiness. And because I thought he values my happiness, the God of happiness, he values my happiness above all other things, he's not doing all the right things that would make me happy. You know what I thought? He's failed. He's messed it up. He's done it wrong. I just thought, to be honest, he was just really bad at being God. Have you ever felt like that? Like, you've got one job. Do it. Make me happy. Do you know what it would be like if I actually lived like that with my kids? Can you imagine if, if that's how I treated my kids? I thank God he hasn't answered all of my prayers, you know? If I treated my kids like that, they would be the most overweight experts in video games that you could imagine. Because <laughs> you know what they want to do? They want to eat ice cream and play video games. And I have bigger plans for them than that. And I know that if all I care about is their happiness, they're not going to mature into the kind of person or people that I want them to become. So I don't say yes to everything that they say because I have great plans for them. I reckon God's got great, great plans for you. I wonder what God really wants for you. I wonder what he really wants for you in your life. Have you ever thought about it? God, what is it that you want for me? So you want to know up front so you can start to map out the journey. What, what does God want for you? Here's a clue. Don't start guessing now. <laughs> don't start guessing because you don't even really need a guess. Because actually, that's why we have the scriptures. And if you go into the Bible and you start to read it, you'll discover what God wants for you. In fact, I did this a couple of weeks ago. If you open the book, at the very beginning, you find this book called Genesis. And this describes what the world was like, and it describes God's intent. And you know, if I start to look at this, what did he do? Well, he spent all this time creating creation. And after he built it and, and, and made it all, at the end of it, he made people. And he put them in his creation, and he said, all of this that I've made, it's all for you. I want you to go ahead and enjoy it. And he gave them a couple of rules along the way. But here's what I see. You know what? It, it's not what I see. It's the absence of what I see. You know what I don't see in there? I don't see pain. I don't see sickness. I don't see domestic violence. I don't see mental health issues. 
I don't see any of this stuff. So when I look at what God intended for people, it was none of that stuff that we have such a problem with. This is God's intent. And I started to think about suffering, and I thought, you know what? God doesn't want this stuff here. He doesn't want it. In fact, when Jesus walked on planet Earth, he had a 100% strike ratio when it came to healing the sick. And he said to his disciples and to people, he said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. I'm in him and he's in me. He was the exact imprint of the nature of God. He said, I only do what I see my Father do. So everything that we credit to Jesus, we must also credit to God. And so he kept healing people. What's God's intention? Well, I look at it and I think God just wants to heal everybody. He doesn't want sickness to be around. He doesn't want disease to be around. He doesn't want broken backs to be around that are debilitating and cause people pain and grief. He doesn't want that stuff. But I've got to be honest and say, when I, when I look around at the world that we live in, I see it. It's here. And it's, it's everywhere. And, and I don't think for one minute that this affects the sovereignty of God. I mean, he's still in charge and he's still Lord over the universe. I know what some of you are thinking right now. You think, wait a minute. I'm a little confused by that. Because you're telling me that God is sovereign and he's over the universe. And he's got the ability to heal people and to make them well. And yet we still see sickness. Like to me, that doesn't make sense. Why doesn't he just fix it? Why doesn't he just do something about it? How do you know he doesn't? Can I ask you a question? Why does God always get the credit for the bad stuff? Why is it when things go wrong with people, they say, well, I don't know why God gave me this. I don't know why God's doing this to me. People always give God the credit for some of the terrible things that happen. I don't really think that he's behind all of that. But here's something else that you should think about. How do you know that God's not protecting you and saving you all the time? Did I tell you about the the huge car accident that happened a couple of weeks ago? I was driving through the intersection and a truck came crashing through, smashed into my car, wrapped me around the tree. I never told you about it because it never happened. And I have no memory of it because I never saw it. So you'll never thank God for the stuff that he protects you from because you never even know that he saved you from it. So it seems a little inconsistent to me that when bad things happen, we say, God, you're doing it. When you have no idea what he's saving you from. You have no idea how many times God has showed up in your life to protect you and save you. You would have, I reckon that you're going to get to heaven and he's going to, he's my roll out the list of things. And then you nearly fell off a cliff here and I saved you there. And then you nearly drowned, but you never went to the beach that day. And all of these things happen. You're like, wow, I never realized that in my whole life, throughout my whole life, there you were. I just didn't realize it. You don't know what God's saving you from because you don't even know that it was going to happen. But let's be honest, come on. Let's be honest. Suffering happens. It still does. And we see it. And we're part of it. We get caught in the middle of it. Why did these things happen? 
And the answer is choice. It's choice. People make bad decisions and God lets them. People make bad decisions and God lets them. If you live in the state of Victoria, you might have pulled up behind a car at the traffic lights and seen a little sticker on the back of the car touched by the road toll. People put those stickers on their cars when when they've been affected or touched by some kind of tragedy. I grew up with a kid that I played basketball with, great kid, great family, but one day his mum and dad were driving home and they got hit by a a car or a truck and his mum and dad died instantly and him and his brother had to grow up without a mum and a dad and I think that's terrible and I hate that and he shouldn't have to live like that but someone made a choice that day to drive erratically and they crashed into had an oncoming head-on collision and they had a crash that day And there was a ripple effect that happened. And it meant that these two kids grew up without a mum and a dad. They were touched by the decisions of someone else. Here's what you need to know. God doesn't approve of everyone's decisions. He doesn't approve of it. In fact, isn't this the point? As you start to flick through the Bible... Don't you just notice that people keep making decisions that God doesn't want them to make over and over and over again. And God keeps finding a way to bless his people in spite of the decisions that they've made. God, (coughs) he doesn't approve of every decision. So you say... Okay, well, you got the power to fix it, so fix it. Make it perfect. Make it how it was. I mean, God, if you intended in the book of Genesis for everything to be perfect, why don't you do that? Like, just fix this whole world and make it perfect. And then God would say to you, okay, I can do it. And I can make the world safe. A safe place for you and for your family. But in order to do it, I'm going to need to remove your will and your ability to make decisions and choices. Because what we're really saying is, God, could you control everyone else but me? I want to live in a world that's completely safe. So make sure that they don't make bad decisions. But could you let me make some choices, right? Here's a newsflash for you. You're not that good either. You're not perfect. You've made decisions that you know are wrong, that touch the lives of others. God could fix everything, but he would have to change everything in order to do it. And as it stands, God continues to let people to make choices. And those choices have consequences. Those consequences have touched your life. They touched my life. Do you know the reason why I got sick when I was a kid? Is I caught the flu twice and... <clears throat> And I wasn't well. And we went to the doctors to get some medication. And I'm allergic 
to penicillin. I can't have it. So when we went and saw the doctors, we told them, I need something that's not penicillin to help me get better. And they said, okay, you know what they gave me? Penicillin. And we asked and we double-checked and we triple-checked. Here's the annoying part. The sicker I got, the more medication I took. And he just didn't listen to what we said. That man's choice affected my entire life and spiritual journey. There was a ripple effect that went throughout my life because of what that guy had done. You've experienced the ripple effect yourself. In fact, can I tell you this? The first people on the planet made a decision and you're still experiencing the ripple effect today. The first two people on the planet, Adam and Eve, and what were some of the rules and guides that he gave them? He said, you can eat from any tree in this garden except the one in the center, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Isn't that interesting again? How we just keep wanting to know the tree of knowledge. I just want to know. And the enemy came to them, the devil came to them, and he said, hey, you know what? This is going to be fine. If you eat it, you'll be like God. And they said, well, didn't he say that we would die? Oh, no, God's, he's got such a sense of humor. He's crazy like that. No, 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 no. You'll be like him. So just take the fruit. So they took the fruit, and they bit the fruit. And what they were really doing, remember, it's not about the fruit. If you're new in church today, you're like, you know what? All of this seems like a pretty harsh penalty for a bite of an apple. It's not about the fruit. It's about the fact that God told them not to take a bite and they decided to. It's about people wanting to live independently of what God has told them to do. And so really what they said is, God, we're going to do it our own way. And because of that, we, by the way, we call that sin. And sin isn't just some kind of moral failure. It's so much broader than that. It means that you, you might have made a mistake. Really, the meaning means like if you were going to take a bow and arrow and fire it at a target and you hit that target just left of the bullseye, you were in error. There was just a slight infringement. The Bible calls that sin. You didn't live up to your designed and intended purpose. And because of that, there was a ripple effect throughout the earth that opened a gateway. I bet they never saw all the angles. I bet Adam and Eve, if they could have looked at all of this, maybe they would have thought more about it, but they weren't thinking about that. They were like, got to have the apple or or whatever it was. I don't know what kind of fruit it was. You know, it's got to have that piece of fruit. I want to be just like God. And so they took it and they bit it and opened a gateway for the influence of the kingdom of Satan to come into the earth and begin to affect change on the earth as we see it today. By the way, this is why Adam has a protective detail on him at all times in heaven. Because all of us want just five minutes with him. God, just give me five minutes to tell him what I really think. That's why they just surround him at heaven and walk him everywhere. Because we're all mad with him. Because maybe if he just did his job better, we wouldn't be in this situation right here, right now. Sometimes people's choices have a ripple effect and they touch you and they affect you. But like Adam and Eve, sometimes you make bad choices for your own life. And when you make bad choices for your own life, just do God a favor and stop blaming him. Just do God a favor and stop blaming him. Don't put yourself in a terrible situation and then say, God, where are you? 
Do you know what God is doing? The whole time. He's like, hey, don't get in that car. Hey, don't date that boy. He's bad news. He's a work in progress, but he's not good for you. Hey, don't steal that money. You're going to get caught. Hey, get off the computer at two in the morning looking at that stuff. It's going to wreck your marriage. It's going to destroy your life. Hey, God's like, hey, he's in your corner, but he's still calling out. Hey, he doesn't approve of the decisions. He's trying to steer everyone away from the decisions. That's how we got here in the first place. And I want to let you know that if you made some bad choices with your life, God's going to forgive you of all of them. But there are still consequences attached because forgiveness and consequences are not the same thing. So here's what you need to do. If you're smart, you'll ask God before you choose. But if it's too late for you, and it is for me because I made plenty of bad decisions, give him the choices you made. I hope somebody is new in church this morning. I hope this is your first time in church. I hope that you're going to hear something you've never believed to be true about God. I hope you hear this. The Bible is about bad choices redeemed by a gracious God. So don't let, don't let, don't let the choices you made haunt you for the rest of your life where you can't get out of the past you made some bad choices you've experienced some consequences okay that's all right but you can give those decisions and those choices to god i'll tell you about a man who had a whole heap of choices that were made for him how he handled it there's a man in the bible his name is joseph joseph had 11 brothers and he was his father's favorite child. Now, here is an epic parent fail. His dad gave him a special coat of many colors, and he was the only one that got one. So his brothers thought, we don't like this kid. So one day, God, uh, Israel sends Joseph out to meet his brothers. Meanwhile, Joseph is getting all of these dreams. This is Joseph's mistake. <laughs> he starts telling people all this stuff that God is going to do with his future. Hey, brothers, mom, dad, come listen. Listen to this cool story I got. I had this dream and you're all going to bow down to me. They're like, <laughs> first it was the coat and now this, you know, and we just, we don't like you, Joseph, you know? And so Joseph goes out to the field one day and they're like, I know how we can fix this. We just kill him. And when we kill him, our problems are solved. And one of the brothers says, no, what, that's crazy. We can't kill him. They said, let's sell him. <laughs> that's a better idea. So they sell him. And he gets sold to some traders. And then the traders on sell him to a man named Potiphar. And then Joseph is raised in this house. But he's so good at what he does. He's got this great spirit of excellence about him that he continues to rise. And he is a good looking rooster. So Potiphar's wife says, let's have sex. <laughs> Come on. He's like, are you crazy? Like, first of all, I would dishonor God. And what about Potiphar? She's like, I don't even know about it. Come on. So one day, she like grabs him, like pounces, like grabs him. And he's like, get off me, woman. 
and she's got his coat. Probably wasn't the same coat, but she grabs his coat. He's like, I'm out of here. So he runs away. Meanwhile, she's so rejected. She's like, how am I going to handle this? I know. I'll get rid of him. You don't like me? I don't like you. So she cries out, rape. He's raped me. Guess what? He gets put in prison. Never did a thing wrong. Still gets put in prison. Meets two prisoners in there. They're having dreams that they can't understand. He's the man with the dreams. So he comes and he says, I think I know your dreams. He explains them to him. One of those guys gets out of prison and goes to work for Pharaoh. Pharaoh has dreams. All these people having dreams, right? So Pharaoh has dreams. No one can understand it. They're like, what are we going to do? The man that got out of prison says, oh my gosh, snap. There was this guy in prison and he's really good with this stuff. Can we get him out of prison? And maybe he can interpret the dreams for Pharaoh. So they say, great. So they clean him up and they get him before Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, I'm having this crazy dream. It's like seven big fat healthy cows come out and and then seven skinny cows eat them. What is that about? And and Joseph says, I've got it. I know what your dream is. He says, you're going to have seven years of plenty and then you're going to have seven years of famine. And, And you know, Pharaoh is like, this helps me run my country. But but Joseph is smart, so he says, and if I were you, I would think about what to do. You're going to have to build extra barns and vats to store all the everything that's going to come in the next seven years so that the country doesn't die when we've got the seven years of famine. He says, oh my gosh, you're a genius. Well, you know what? You are the prime minister of Egypt, right? So he becomes the prime minister. Now only reports into Pharaoh. They have seven years of plenty. Then the famine strikes. Guess who's caught in the famine? Joseph's brothers and his mum and dad. And so he gets in touch with them and they don't recognize him at the beginning because they would never have imagined that the boy that they sold would become the prime minister of Egypt. And so his family eventually come and they migrate And they come and they live in this land that Joseph gives to them. And then their father dies, Israel. And suddenly the brothers think, oh no, because our father is dead. What if Joseph just turns on us? What if he was just appeasing us before our father died? What's going to happen? I told you all of that to read you this one scripture. Genesis chapter 50, verse 18. His brothers came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? I want you to listen to this verse. Verse 20, he says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. There are two ments. They're making choices. It was all their decision to put him in the well. They meant it, and yet God meant it. And that kind of thinking hurts your brain. Because you think, how can there be two men's? It was either one or the other. Oh, no, no, no. That's not what the Bible tells us. He says it's both and. Both of them. And this is how it finishes. He meant it for good to bring about that many should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, for I'll provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. It's not till... Joseph gets to the end of his life. The end that he realizes everything that had happened. Don't you wish you knew the end? Because if I knew the end, if I could just, God, if you could just tell me the end, if I could know that there was some higher purpose attached to my circumstances, then I'd be okay with it. I feel like I could make it through if I knew the end. Wouldn't you want to know the end? 
or made me feel better. Here's my question. I want to know how Joseph made it through the middle. How did he make it through the middle when he had no idea why he was going through what he went through? Do you know what? If I was Joseph, my family would have starved because I would have just got out of there. I would have just tried to escape. I would have done everything I could, but I would have missed all that God wanted to do. And I've I've learned something. I, I hate suffering. I think God hates suffering. And yet there is something that we get in suffering that we don't get anywhere else. It does something to us that blessing will not do to us. Here's what James said about suffering. He says, count it all joy. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Count it joy, brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I love that he uses the word consider. Because consider is a word that means you can think about it. Consider it. Maybe what you need to do is reframe your suffering and look at it differently. Sometimes we don't know why. Maybe the question we should ask is, what is God producing in me through this? Why don't you consider that? Consider it. Just think about it. Think about what God might want to be producing in you. And if you get to the end and you consider it and you still have no idea, that still doesn't mean there's no purpose in it because I've learned that just because you don't know what God's purpose is doesn't mean he doesn't have one. It's just that you don't know. You don't know what it is. And he doesn't always clue you in. And with Jesus' disciples, when he was on the earth with them, they had the Messiah. Jesus, the Holy One of Israel, and they watched in horror with their hopes dashed as he was hung on a cross. And they said, where is he? Have you ever thought, where is he? This didn't go the way I thought it would go. This didn't work out the way I thought it would work out. Where is he? God, where are you? My child is sick. God, where are you? My son is so far from you. Where are you? Where are you, God? I've got an illness and it's not getting better. God, where are you? There is pain and there is grief and there is circumstances everywhere. God, where are you? I'll tell you where he is. He's in the middle. He's right there. In the middle of situations and circumstances. In fact, you want to know how much God hated our suffering? He hated it so much that he sent his son into the middle of humanity to pay a price for our sin so we would not have to pay that price. You see... The question, why doesn't God fix it? The answer is he has. Because 
whether you know it or not, your greatest problem isn't suffering, it's actually sin. And when Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for sin, for our sins, he fixed our greatest problem. And we live in this weird space, which is a now but not yet time. Now he's fixed the problem of sin. Death will no longer reign over people, and yet we still see it. So why is there a lag? That lag is there by grace, hoping that people will start to turn towards him and call upon his name. Because I tell you, this world does not always see, and I tell you the, the truth right now, one day Jesus is coming back, okay? And when he does, he is going to change everything. But when he does, it will be too late to choose him at that point. So what he wants is people to call upon his name in this time, the now but not yet season to seek him, to repent, to get before him and say, God, I want a life that is after you and honors you. And at the end of that age, it will return. No sickness, no pain, no suffering. It's pretty great. But if you're suffering today, it might not feel like it helps you that much because it's so far in the future. I want you to remember three things today. Number one, God doesn't want you to suffer, but he'll use it. He doesn't want you to, but he'll use it. Number two, no matter whose choice it was, yours or others, God can redeem it. If you give him your choices, God can redeem it. Number three, and never forget this, He's in the middle with you. He made a promise to his disciples. I'll, I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll, I'll never forsake you. You might feel like God has left. I promise you he hasn't because he always keeps his word. If you're struggling and suffering with something that's happening today, where is God? Oh, he's closer than hands and feet right now. You may not be aware of him. You may have questions in your mind. You may have been asking why, trying to attach it to some higher purpose. Maybe God, are you in this? Maybe you don't know till the end, but I promise you this, he's with you in the middle. Why don't you close your eyes, bow your heads. I want to pray for people that are just going through something today. I don't know what your it is. I'm going to pray that God comes and fixes it. Because he does. He heals. He touches. He restores. It doesn't happen all the time. We live with the tension. I don't always know why, but I know that it's always worth contending for and asking for. And we believe and confess by faith that he's more than that. And he's big enough to handle whatever your situation or your circumstance is. His name is the name above every situation and circumstance. And so... You got something that's on your mind today that you need to work through. I want to pray for you. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand right now? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.